the antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck.
I'm Dave Hawkins, and you've tuned in to The Antidote. As you've already discovered from our first song, Aquila, we're heading into a different style of music tonight. Darkwave creates an atmospheric experimental form of thrash metal. Now, if you were expecting this artist to be based in California, I wouldn't blame you. But the Darkwave creator, Jot Nemeti, hails from Hungary in Eastern Europe. What else is different about the music of Darkwave is that it's entirely instrumental. And I first thought it might be difficult to have an interview with an instrumental artist. But you'll find out that wasn't the case at all. Fortunately for me, Jot's English is perfect, just like his music. Let's head into the Antidote's talk with Darkwave as he gives us his music background, how communism affected Hungary's music scene, and the song Septuagint. The Antidote welcomes Jot Nemeti, the creator of Darkwave. Thanks so much for coming for a talk. Thank you very much for having me here. I like to ask every guest on The Antidote about their music roots. When did you first start playing guitar? I first started playing the guitar when I was a small child. Actually, my my parents bought me a, a very small guitar and and I fell in love with the instrument immediately. I started to listen to guitar players like Tony Iommi or Richie Blackmore and you know all those all those big famous guys from the 80s and 70s. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> this was a very, very nice period in my life because I got a couple of friends who had the same interest in making music like me. And soon I switched to to the electric guitar. And then when I was around 15 or 16 years old, we we started to have an interest in forming a band. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was like a garage band and and we enjoyed ourselves very much. And then then I think I was doomed because because I I fell in love with the instrument immediately. So it's always been metal for you. You didn't have any other interests. It was metal and also classical music, but uh, my parents uh, wanted me to, to play classical guitar. Uh, yeah, they, they started to guide me on the right path, and I started some music theory and, and stuff like that. But basically, I was interested in rock music. And I was raised in the, in the 80s. I was born in the 70s, and then I was raised in the 80s. And... It was during the communist era in Hungary, and it was it was quite hard to get uh, rock and metal uh, records from the music market because there were none. It was practically criminalized, and it was uh, considered uh, for uh, as a music for people living in the in the border of society. And I could just listen to a couple of Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, and Black Sabbath, maybe ACDC songs, and and I was mesmerized with the sound, with the energy that came from those instrumental instruments and, and from those bands. And now you're able to do it all yourself. I hope so. <laughs> Maybe you should tell us what the metal scene is like in Hungary. It's an interesting question, because in Hungary, I think the metal scene was uh, a little bit behind the Western countries. So in the 80s, there were a couple of cute heavy metal bands like which is uh, one of the first frontrunners of the Hungarian metal scene at Ossian and and also a couple of rock bands, but they were they were actually criminalized, as I said, and we were into metal bands like the Sabbath and the new wave of British heavy metal, and 
and bands like this, but when you wanted to buy a record, you had to travel to Austria or Germany. And because of the limited amount of money that you had, it was a like a treasure hunt. I understand. And, and then in the 90s, when the change of the system took place, we actually were liberated from the pressure of the communist government and 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 everything everything opened up and it was the first touch of the free world for us and we we went abroad we we bought a lot of records we we had radio stations that started to play rock and metal music and then slowly it developed and we had quite good rock and metal bands and and right now we had very good not just the, the mainstream rock bands, but we had very good underground rock bands, and I'm very much into thrash and death metal, and I, I love a couple of bands like Anger Seed or, or Archaic. These are my favorite Hungarian bands, and they play quite good death and thrash metal. Ever since I first heard your music, I've been wondering how you chose the band name Darkwave. Because, I mean, Dark wave is also a music genre, but your sound is nothing like a typical dark wave song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a, an excellent question. One of my favorite bands is a band from the U.S. Is uh, they called Nevermore. They disbanded a couple of years ago, and 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 unfortunately, the singer had died. But uh, they are still in my heart, and I love their music very much. And their third album is the called Dreaming Neon Black. This album has a song entitled I Am The Dog. And one of the, the lines in the lyrics of this song says that, uh, I try to quote it quite correctly, the dark wave comes, sanity slips away, she screams from the alcove, I am the dog. And th- this is, seems to be a very strong lyrics to me. And this is actually one of my favorite songs from Nevermore. And and I was touched by these words, and I was touched by this band, and I decided to call my band. Actually, this is not a band, but a solo project. I call this Darkwave. I know it doesn't have anything to do with the, the genre Darkwave, but but this was so strong, and I was touched emotionally so strongly by these words that I, I didn't actually think about choosing any other name. So you're admitting that you actually stole the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Here's something else that I'm sure you've been asked a thousand times. Why keep the music instrumental? I was thinking about it very often. First, I wanted to do uh, a normal metal music with lyrics and, and vocals, maybe polyphonic vocals. And my first band in my childhood and in my in my adolescence was was a metal band that was something between this neoclassical metal and and the more brutal stuff with with polyphonic chorus and, poly, and polyphonic vocals. Mm-hmm. I I also wrote a lot of uh, lyrics, thinking about making uh, music with with lyrics. But but right now, uh, to, to put it quite simple, I didn't find a singer. I tried to sing myself, but I didn't find my voice so good as to to record these very immature uh, vocal experimentations. So I decided to keep it instrumental, which was partly uh, deliberate and partly instinctive, but I 
uh, I, I wasn't sure whether my vocals will be good enough. I never said that my 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 music is is too good. I think it's just a an honest representation of myself. But I'm sure that my voice is not good enough to to keep up with the guitar playing. So maybe I will try to to give it one more experimentation in the future. But right now I'm stuck in this situation and I I don't know whether I will ever be able to to do anything else uh, just. Uh, other uh, other from instrumental music i'm still not uh, not sure about hiring or asking a friend to make the vocals because i pretty much got used to playing myself alone and i like these long nights of experimentation alone here in my small room and it's quite intimate and i'm not sure that playing in a in a normal band with others would give me the same feeling. I totally understand that because I've seen other bands go through that same situation, Mm -hmm. not having a vocalist, struggling to find a vocalist, and then just having to deal with other band members. But when you're doing it all on your own, you're only having to deal with yourself. Yeah, sure. That's exactly the situation. It's a pretty lonely path, actually, I have to add. Because sometimes I, I, I really want to get an advice from how to build up a, a drum sample or how to play a, a bass line. Mm-hmm. But, but right now, this is the situation. I have to do the, the, all the tasks, and, and I'm partly happy with it, and I'm partly yearning for other people's company. So it's, <laughs> it's always a balance. Exactly. Well, then tell me something. Can an instrumental song actually tell a story? I hope so, yeah. When I start to build up ideas, I always have a story in my in my mind. It's not that accurate, like uh, what you hear in the in the end in the recorded samples, but but I have something what I want to to, to express because I, I really used to to mention that music is is nothing else but a, a, an, an honest representation of the person's inner self. And if you really concentrate on the topic that you want to express, that it has to somehow blow uh, into your music. I, I'm not sure that I can really formulate these thoughts, but, uh, but I was always wondering how to express my feelings in music. And I think feelings can be transmitted into music even without words. You mentioned to me in an email, and you told me that my music isn't intentionally but rather instinctively Christian. Yeah. Can you expand on that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually a practicing Christian, but I never wanted to limit myself only to talk about my, my religious beliefs. I just try to express what I think about life in general, and I, I feel about things surrounding me, my, the, the love for the other people and the love for, for actually the love for God and the love for the world around me, and all those things that has some influence on me in my life. And and I think a music that can be considered Christian is always just the representation of, of a person behind the music who is actually Christian. It's not necessarily it has to be directly a Christian music, but if you are a Christian or if you if you believe in in what you believe, then it will flow through and in, flow into your spiritual self, and it, it will somehow 
be expressed in your music. I'm not sure that it's correctly said, but I try to see it this way. Well, it's clear to me. Well, that also bring up another point that you also raised in your email. And you said, having some background in Catholic theology, I also find it easy to express myself using Christian terminology and symbolism. So now, Catholic theology, was that from training at a seminary? No. Actually, my profession is a neurobiologist. I'm working for a pharma company as a neuroscientist, but I also had an interest in, in theology because I was always trying to rationalize a lot of things in my faith, and I tried to understand the history, the dogmas, the, the cultural background behind my faith. And, and I learned, well, I, once I decided 15 or maybe even more years ago that I will go to a, a, university, a Catholic university in Hungary that has a training in Catholic theology for, for civilians. Now, I never attended to a seminary. I just uh, tried to, to get a uh, master in Catholic theology, and, and actually I did, but it was just because of interest and not uh, to become a priest. I do find this interesting because here you are, a great metal musician, and then also you're a neurobiologist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just seems to be two diametrically opposed things. Does this mean that making music is just for fun? Yeah, actually, um, in my childhood, I was trained to learn some music theory, but I'm not a trained musician. I'm, I'm a self-trained musician, actually. I always try to formulate my own ways, and, and I never made money out of music. This is actually a quite good situation, because you don't have to worry about influence of others or influence of, of the label, record labels. I wouldn't say it like this, that it is for, just for fun, because I, I really cannot imagine my life without making music. This is uh, something that necessarily comes from my, my personality. I wouldn't be able to, to live without practicing every evening, and I wouldn't be able to live without trying at least to record something every day or every second day. Mm -hmm. so, but I don't uh, make money out of music, and I have a regular daily job. I used, I used to go to Budapest to, to, to work every day, and, and, and I, I actually love my job, and I wouldn't even exchange the life of a neuroscientist in exchange for a life of a musician, because I, I also really love my job. How wonderful. You've got the best of both worlds. Yeah, <laughs> that's true.
we should get into the Darkwave debut, the Hexapla album. Now, I had to Google the name to find out what it meant. So maybe I should have you tell our listeners what Hexapla is. Mm-hmm. Hexapla is a book, actually a compilation of translation from the New Testament. Uh, it was done in the second, the end of the second century by, by Origen, who was a, a famous Catholic theologian. He really tried to put together six translations of the of the New Testament, and from line to line, he, he put beside the, each other, beside the text to each others. And these six translations of the Bible was called Hexapla because Hexapla means something like sixfold. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and the names in my debut album, like Aquila or Simacus or Theodosian, is. Uh, are the the original translation translators of these texts. The album also included the song Septuagint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Catholic edition of the Bible. Yeah. Which also includes more books than what the Protestant Church follows. Yes. Is that a significant difference? It can be called a significant difference, yes, but actually I have a backstory behind the Hexapla. And I didn't really reflect uh, on the, the theological differences between the Catholic and Protestant churches. I actually had a, a very, very old songbook or lyrics book where I tried to compile six different texts about the same topic. Uh, 10 or 15 years ago, I, I had a very good friend and and he was quite a good friend uh, and, and we, we had uh, quite an interesting life together. We did a lot of a lot of music together, and we 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 were exchanging thoughts, and we had quite a similar uh, worldview. And later, uh, this guy became estranged from me. Actually, the friendship between us somehow cooled out, and and he became like a stranger to me. And and it was it was somewhat sad, and actually touched my. My, my imagination, and I wrote six uh, different texts about this. And I was actually first thinking of making a, a normal metal album with these lyrics. But uh, due to the reasons we were talking about a couple of minutes ago, I, I decided to keep it like this in an inst- as an instrumental album. But we're talking a lot about religion and about uh, our beliefs on, on how the world is actually set up and, and what are the, the basic principles of human life. And I thought that it has some some resemblance to a six-fold translation of the of, of the New Testament because we were we were exchanging a lot of thoughts about Catholicism. I somehow thought that it would be a, a, a good story but without words and and then I decided to, to, to keep it this way. So that that's actually basically the, the personal story behind the Hexapla. Well, it was good to hear that. Something about that album, too, is that you surprised me a bit because it was last summer that you released Hexapla, and this spring you brought out the remastered version of the album. I'm trying to sort that out. You just wanted to improve the sound? Yeah, actually, that was the reason. With Hexapla, I had a long story behind the creation of Hexapla because I was starting to write this album a couple of years ago, but I didn't really have uh, any chances to, to record it because 
I didn't have a, a computer good enough, and actually I was changing uh, a guitar to another one, and mm. and my life was was quite complicated because I had to to work a lot in my workplace, which is not a complaint, but but you know there are objectives and and it's it's quite hard to put together your personal life with with your professional life sometimes. Then the recording of Hexapla was delaying and delaying, and I, I I thought that it will never end, and I never will be able to to release this first album. And then two years ago, during the lockdown, the COVID lockdown, I finally saw that there is no reason to delay delay it further because if it goes like this, then it will be never released. <laughs> and I decided to record the whole stuff and I decided to put it this way. I have to admit, I wanted to do something finally and uh, and I was not happy with the sound at the end of the day. And I was thinking how to improve the sound. And a couple of months after the release of Hexapla, I, I decided to partly record it once again because in the original Hexapla, if you listen to it carefully, then you will hear that the bass lines are uh, programmed by computer. And then in the re- reissue of the original album, I tried to record normal bass lines with, with using a guitar. And I tried to improve the sound and I tried to make it more thick and fat because I originally wasn't very happy with uh, with this slightly blurred and a bit thin sound of the original album. I, I know that this is also always a constant process of improving myself, but if I had time, I would <laughs> I would easily do a reissue of the original album because right now I have a couple of ideas how to to make it even better. But <laughs> of course, there won't be another issue. <laughs> you're making it sound like you're a perfectionist. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. It it can be. Yeah. <laughs> I know that the word perfectionist is not not always positive, but, but in, in the positive area of, of the word perfectionist. <laughs> June 1st of this year, Darkwave relieved its second full length. Now, am I saying this right? Missa in Nominata? Yes, perfect. So there's another album title that needs explaining. Uh, Missa in Nominata is actually, can be translated to uh, Unnamed Mass. Uh, when I was younger, I was playing in the in a band that made uh, worship music during church services, and we were trying to experiment with different uh, masses. In the Catholic liturgy, there are different parts that are stably there in the mass, like the like the Kyrie, the Gloria, the Sanctus, and the Agnus Dei. And I tried to to, to focus on these uh, four tracks as the pillar of the whole album. And uh, there is an introduction, which is called Introitus in Latin, and, and there is a an, another track at the end, which is called Post Communio, which is actually played after the, the Holy Communion. I see. So I think everybody's familiar with those terms for these song titles. Then does Darkwave's music, is it meant to build up the Catholic Mass, or are you just trying to give it a different perspective? I, I wouldn't experiment with the concept of the Catholic Mass. I, I wouldn't do such thing. I just try to, to give my own perspectives about how the Catholic Mass resonates in my spirit. It's, it was interesting because uh, 
I actually played this uh, this album to a couple of friends who are doing uh, church music, how to say it, worship music, uh, church services. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was interesting how they reacted to this album because partly they thought that it's okay and it's always okay to, to give personal perspectives about, uh, about the Catholic Mass. And, and there were a couple of people who said that it's some, somewhat sacrilegious or, or, or it doesn't fit to the original concept of Catholic liturgical music, which I never wanted because I never wanted to make a, a liturgical music I never intended to to be a, uh, a worship music, and I never wanted people to play this music during church services. I just wanted to to highlight a couple of emotions that flow through my spirit when I I attend to a, a to a mass, and I I just wanted to to formulate in the in the language of metal these kind of feelings, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm, I do. And I suppose there's always people of a conservative faith that just struggle with any kind of a change. Uh, it can be, yes. And but, but they were actually quite interestingly open. When I told them that I don't intend to, to reformulate the church's music or I don't want to, to put this music in front of the, uh, of the altar, then they, they were quite happy with it and they told me that it's okay to to say different kind of things about the same thing. Because every, everyone has a, a preconception about what Kyria means. Mm-hmm. Because uh, people people expect to hear either the, the normal Gregorian type of Kyrias or, or for Mozart or, or I don't know. But when you bring forward a, a different concept, then it can be shocking. And I, I totally understand that people doesn't really like the, the way that others try to, to ruin those preconceptions. Because I actually, it was not my intention to ruin anything. It was just my intention to, to show that you can take a look at the same thing from a different angle or from it from this different perspective, which is also quite conservative because I never intended to deviate myself from the, from the teaching or from the, from the view of the church on, on music. But I never wanted to put this music into, into the churches. I just wanted to, to express how I feel when there is a, a point when the Kyria starts in the Mass, or how, how I feel when, when the, the hymnical type of things come through forward, like the, the Sanctus.
Darkwave is also known for these monstrously long tracks, like the nine and a half minute long Gary, which is found on his latest album, Missa Innominata. There's a lot more Darkwave music to be found online, and our last interview segment, you'll get directions on where to find it. On the next edition of The Antidote, we have a return guest as Rusty Ship visits us for an in-depth talk about their new and superb concept album, Dark Side of the Ocean. If you've read the book by Albert Bates or seen the short film of the same title, this album has nothing to do with either one. What it does have is a great story delivered by an awesome rock band. Seriously, this will turn out to be one of the best releases of 2022. Tune in to hear about it. Darkwave returns for the last part of our talk and the anthemic sound of Post Camino. See you next week. Well, I'm sure when you started Darkwave that you must have had some expectations for the music. I guess I'm, what I'm really asking is, what kind of a reaction were you hoping for from your listeners? Yes, it's a good question because I always wanted to make people think. I don't know whether this is an expectation or this is just a, a preconception, but I just wanted to shed a different type of light to the things. And and I'm so happy when people come back to me with the with words like, oh, it was interesting or it was shocking. I'm quite happy if people use these kind of strong expressions because it signifies that they had a, an emotional change when they, they listened to my music. An emotional change can also be the first sign of a change in the mindset. That's an excellent point. I hadn't thought about that. Well, you know something? I did a bit of research into your name, and I found out that Jot means one who is honored. So now, has that come true? Is God giving you honor as you create music for him? I don't know. I don't know. I never wanted to be honored. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm just enjoying what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm so happy when people tell me that they got something from my music or they started to to think about things that I wanted to highlight in my music and and I think it's more important to me than honor or something like this. I just want to transmit feelings without words right now or it may be with words later but right now I, I my intention is to transmit my most inner feelings through my music. I'm sure you've asked before, even though Misa Inamanata has just been released, what's the future plans for Darkwave? I have a lot of plans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too many plans and not enough time? Uh, too many plans, not enough time, but my, my boss is always used to tell me that the day consists 24 hours and the night. So, so I think... I, I, I will always have enough time to make music because it's it's really a crucial question in my life. I I wouldn't be able to live without making music. And, and right now, I, I already have three more songs for a new release. And I intend to concentrate on a little bit darker, a little bit more heavy sound. Mm -hmm. And I have a concept in my mind because I always have a concept in my mind when I start to, to think about me making music 
but I wouldn't tell anything about it right now. But what is sure that I will try to record a harsh, uh, more dark and in a way more more sad album. You should have had that ready for Halloween. Oh, no. no. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with Halloween. <laughs> What's the best place to find your music? I have a website. Uh, maybe the website can be a, a, a hub for my music. On the website, I have a small blog where I share a couple of ideas, musical inspirations and stories behind my music. And uh, the website leads you directly to my Bandcamp site. And also I'm on Spotify. If you, if you want to check me out, then, then I really, really appreciate it. And the website is? Darkwavemetal.com Perfect. Jolt, I gotta say thank you for sharing your time with The Antidote. It's been really great having you here. Thank you very much for having me here. Thank you very much, really. 